Will you stand for prayer? Lord, we just stand amazed in your presence this morning. Lord, it's already been so good to feel your presence, to cry out to you, Lord, for the miracles that we need in our lives. And Lord, now we open our hearts to hear your word. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, Lord, as I share with your people. Father, may we be encouraged today to be generous. May we understand, Lord, the way the kingdom of God works. And Lord, may we always give glory and honor to you in all that we do, all that we say, and the way that we live. Lord, we just love you and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to continue this morning on the series that we have about um, generous, and it's been a while, so am I doing something wrong? So we have our PowerPoint that's going to start any minute now, right? (laughs) I have it on what? No technology in heaven, right? Isn't that good? No technology in heaven. That's awesome. Um, So uh, this has been a great series, and uh, there we go. Generous Seasons is the name of this uh, particular lesson that we'll study today. And I just want to review what Pastor Jamie shared in the uh, last week as we got started. How many of you were here last week? Awesome. That was a fun session, wasn't it? Fun time together. So generosity is the assumption that just because a resource comes to me doesn't mean it belongs to me. It's the concept that everything that I have belongs to the Lord, and if it comes to me, it's not necessarily for me, but it's for what His will is in my life and in the lives of those people around me. So generosity is a concept that we give, we love, we serve, and everything that we have belongs to the Lord. Greed, on the other hand, is the assumption that since a resource came to me, it's for me. And uh, I think we're all pretty adept at that, right? We know what it means to have something that belongs to us, and um, we want to keep it, and we want to enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with that. God gives to you, and he wants you to be blessed, and he wants you to be prosperous. But um, you should always be willing to let God have everything that you have at a moment's notice whenever he speaks to your heart and says, give it away. And uh, if you do that, then you'll have abundantly above more than you could ask or think because God is a generous God. He calls us to be generous because he's generous. Okay, Pastor Jamie also gave us three things you should know about being generous. Being generous is fun. How fun was it last Sunday when we took up that surprise offering for our pizza delivery guy and girl and gave them the money? They were surprised, and it was so much fun. Um, I don't know if it's um, good or not, but we were so happy that they just broke down and freaked out. And uh, <laughs> and so it was fun to be generous. You know, uh, when you usually do a tip for a pizza delivery guy, you give him 10% or maybe 20%. And I mean, it was just an astronomical amount, uh, percentage, way more than what the pizza cost. And so it was it was so much fun last, last week to do that. Being generous is needed. If you're a giver, that's great. Giving is great. 
Giving is biblical, but being generous is even better. It's great to be generous, to give abundantly above and beyond all that God asks or thinks. That's the way he is. And also being generous is the heart of God. And uh, if you were here yesterday at the manna drop, then you know that that was the heart of God. There was such a sweet anointing on the campus yesterday as people drove up and signed up to get their food. We, had, we fed 157, 159 families um, Thanksgiving dinner. And as we put this together, we just didn't want to give them whatever we could come up with. We actually planned Thanksgiving dinner, all the vegetables, all the fruit, all the starches, all the stuffings, all the meat that would be needed for an extravagant Thanksgiving dinner. And then we didn't give them one or two items. We gave them all at least 12 items that they could share with their family. So even though we fed 159 families, we probably ended up Thanksgiving feeding 650 people or more. And so I think that's something that's so exciting that we could do that. And it's the heart of God. If you wanted to feel the heart of God, you could feel it yesterday on this campus as we ministered and as we loved. And without any strings attached, we just gave away food. It was marvelous. It was wonderful. And I really, really enjoyed that. So I want to talk to you today about generous seasons. In uh, Genesis 8, 22 and 20 through 22, God talks about a creation covenant. We know that God has made covenant with us. In the New Testament, he's made covenant with us through the blood of Jesus. But in Genesis, he also made covenant with our land. He made covenant with the creation. Um, after the flood, after Noah and the flood, when Noah and all uh, the children and the animals got off out of the ark, then they build an altar to the Lord. And this is a scripture. Hopefully you have it um, on your cell phone or in your Bible. But I have it up here. It's a little small because of the length of the scripture, but I wanted to uh, put it up also. But um, mark this because this is really, really important. And what I have highlighted in blue is specifically what I'll be talking about today. And it begins with verse 20, Genesis 8, 20, and it says this. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. And this is paramount. This is the terms of the covenant. This is God saying this, while the earth remains, in other words, as long as the earth is here, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So we have a promise from God that these things will remain as long as the earth is here. And uh, isn't that amazing? We have such um, confidence. Uh, Cynthia talked about anxiety. Uh, a little bit earlier in the, in the service today. And uh, you don't have to be anxious because as long as this earth remains, these promises of God are true. And there will be seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, and it will not cease. And that is uh, such an amazing thing. So I'm talking specifically today about seed time and harvest. And uh, this is a write-down if you're taking notes. To overcome life's problems, reach your potential in life, see your life become fruitful, multiplied, and replenished. Determine to follow God's law of seed time and harvest. 
Sow the seed of his promise into the soil of your need. Now you'll notice I said sow the seed of his promise into the soil of your need. And later on we will discover from the word of God that what you sow reproduces after its own kind, according to the word. But what you sow is the promise of God's word. You don't just sow your offering on Sunday mornings. When you release your offering into uh, the service on Sunday mornings, you sow it as an act of faith that God promised that if you gave into his kingdom that he would give into your needs and all everything that you have. You know, um, most of us aren't uh, farmers. We have some farmers in our congregation, and it's always interesting to talk to them. But uh, most of us have probably at some point in time had... Uh, a backyard garden. Anyone had a backyard garden? Yeah. You either love them or hate them. You've had them once or many times, depending on your success. And so through the years, I've had backyard gardens. And, um, but I grew up that way because it was a way that we could provide food uh, for our family. And we would gr- grow a backyard garden during the summer. We would preserve uh, the vegetables and the fruits. And then we would have things to eat during the winter when the season was not as easy to grow things. How many of you know the summer squash grows when? In the summer. It doesn't grow in the winter. So there are the seasons of generosity in your life. There are seasons when you can only grow certain things in your life. And then other times you eat off the fat of the land of what you've sown. And then um, there are times in the winter when you grow crops that won't grow in the heat of the summer. And so it's really interesting and it's really important to begin to discern and to know the operation of the kingdom of God, which is on sowing and reaping. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will always be the operation that works in the kingdom of God. Now, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of the world is let me get what I can get for me and let me save it for me. In the kingdom of God, it's give so that you can get so that you can give. Um, You know, growing up, I heard Oral Roberts talk about seed faith. And uh, through all those years, I only thought it meant money. I thought it meant just sowing an offering, that that was seed faith. Um, And as I studied the word, I realized that it was so much more than that, that it was everything that I needed if I sowed the seed that it would reproduce after its kind. For instance, if I needed a friend, what should I sow? Friendship. And then I would reap the harvest of friendship. If I needed a financial miracle, what should I sow? Money, because I would reap after its kind money in my life. If I needed health, what should I sow? Health for other people. If you get sick, the first thing you should do is run out the door and go pray for someone else. That's not what we want to do, though, right? We get sick, we want to say, oh, I'm so sick, I don't feel like doing anything except watching TV. (laughs) Yeah? No, get up, get out, go find someone who's sicker than you are and pray for them. So healing. So healing when you're not sick. You should have seed in the ground all the time. You should have seed in the ground all the time. You should be sowing for prosperity, health, blessing, healing all the time. So three things that we should know about seed sowing. One is it should be our best. You don't sow bad seed. I remember when um, we had our backyard gardens, my mom would always save the, the best of the first 
and you also um, should give out of your first, uh, the best of the first, and we would save that as our seed for the next year or the next planting. We didn't eat all of our seed. We would save the best. And we didn't save um, uh, beans that had blight or beans that had weevil spots on them. We saved the very best that we had so that when we planted it, it would have the best chance of producing a crop that would be good and excellent for us. So we only sowed good seed. Sow good seed in your life. It's so easy to sow the bad stuff, right? You know, and I think we dig the hole to sow the seed with our mouth. Did you get that? We dig the hole to sow the seed with our mouth. And so sow good seed. Always sow good seed. Sow it in faith. Nothing but good seed. It should be our first. You know, uh, God gave us the example. He gave us his firstborn, that he might become the firstborn of many brethren. He didn't give us the leftovers of heaven. He didn't give us a low-level angel to go do the work that Jesus did for us. He gave us the very best that he had, which was his only begotten son, so that we could walk in the freedom. In John, Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it falls to the ground and dies, it produces much fruit or much grain. And so seed time and harvest was always used in Jesus' ministry, and Jesus himself is the first and the best seed that could ever be sown. Uh, The other thing about sowing seed is that it should be generous. Now, uh, my mom would have someone with a tractor come and plow out the backyard, and then she would take her hoe and she would lay off the rows. And uh, it was my job, whether I wanted to or not, to plant the seed. And she taught me that I should walk behind her about every 12 inches, take the heel of my foot, dig a little hole, and then take the seed that was in the bag strapped around my apron and drop the seed in. Now, it was reasonable to me that I should put one seed in one hole. And she said, no, you put three seeds in every hole. Now, that looked like a waste to me, but to her it was being generous And she was preparing uh, for more than she could ever want or need, not just being stingy with one seed but planting three seeds because one seed might get a little too much water and not germinate the right way. Or another seed might uh, come up but not be rooted the way it should be, and then it, because of the heat, it dies. But we always had a prolific garden There were even times when we had to take the plants that grew so well and transplant them to other areas so that um, those seeds would germinate. But she always said, plant three seeds, not just one. So what is your attitude? Do you plant just one seed? Do you just get by with your generosity? Do you just do enough to, to get by? Or do you plant three seeds and let's see what God will do? Sometimes all three seeds come up. Sometimes only one comes up, but God shows us, and we'll look at the scripture again uh, soon in Mark that lets us know what that means and that that's really a part of the kingdom. So gardening is a great experience, and uh, you should become a gardener or a farmer in your life. You know, God's called you to minister. He's really called you to be a farmer. The reason is this, that seed, the powers within the seed, the seed is the word of God. And when you have seed in your hand and you plant it, 
then God brings forth the miracle of its growth and its fruitfulness in your life. Now, uh, for me particularly, uh, the scripture that I'll share with you in Mark 4 was really, really important in my life because it helped me understand how to minister. See, I'm not responsible for growing the plant. I'm responsible for planting the seed in your heart. God has to grow whatever he wants to grow in your heart. And as a minister, I was worried about making it happen. I felt responsible for making it work. I felt responsible for teaching you and having you uh, have the fruit in your life that you needed. And then I realized that all God had called me to do was to farm, to just take the seed of his word, plant it in your heart, and let the good ground of your heart produce what God was calling it to produce in your life. Isn't that cool? See, the other thing about it is that the seed, the power is within the seed. Now, you look at a dried up old seed and you think, how could anything come from that? You may look at what you have to offer the Lord and say, how could anything good come from this? It's just a dried up old seed. But you know what? There's a miracle in that seed. There's a miracle in your love. There's a miracle in your friendship. There's a miracle in your money. There's a miracle in your health. And as you plant that, it produces after its kind, and it brings miracles in your life. Amen? Now, the other thing about the seed, the seed doesn't care if you have a Ph.D. when you plant it or not. It doesn't care if your skin is black or white or yellow or red or pink. It's no respecter of persons. Um, The seed only wants to be planted in good ground. The seed of the Word of God only wants to be planted in good ground. Don't ever be afraid to share the gospel. You're just a farmer. You're just planting the seed. And share the gospel generously. Don't just share once in a while. Be a fanatical farmer for the word of God and plant the seed of the word of God everywhere you go. Don't be afraid to use the word of God to turn people's lives around because the power is in the seed, not in you. Amen. Is that a good word? Good. That was a rabbit. We chased it. Is that okay? Um, The next thing I want to share with you is a beautiful story, and uh, it has to do with the heart of David, and it has to do with seed planting and offerings. It's in 2 Samuel 24, 18 through 24, and I'm just going to tell you the story for time's sake today. Uh, But uh, David had gotten in trouble with the Lord, and they had had a talk, and there was to be a, a response from the Lord concerning that. He had numbered the people, and he had been told not to ever number the people. But he got afraid one day, and he thought, I wonder if I have enough people in my army to really do what God's called me to do. So he numbered the people. And God had always said to him, I don't want you to look at the number of people you have, but I want you to look at me because I'm your source and I'm your strength. So after that disobedience, there was a plague that came on Israel. And um, then David sought the Lord. And the Lord said to him, I want you to go by a threshing floor from Arano, the Jebusite, and I want you to make an altar there and make an offering, and I will stay the plague. Now, uh, Arano, the Jebusite, owned it a threshing floor. That's where they threshed out the wheat that they gathered. And, um, but it was on Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah should go ping in your mind, and you should remember that Mount Moriah is where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him. 
Mount Moriah represented the mountain or the place of trusting God, even though you didn't have all the understanding. And so, to stay the plague, David was instructed by the Lord uh, to go buy a field from Arano, the Jebusite, and to build an altar there and to make sacrifices there, and the plague would be stayed. So he went, and he talked to Arano, and he said to him, you know, I'd like to buy this field. I'm instructed by the Lord. And so Arano said, well, you know what? I'll just give it to you. I'll just give it to you. Now, that's great on Arano's part, but that was not what God was dealing with in this particular situation. But you see his generous heart in that he was willing to do it. But this is what David said to him. He says, no, you're not going to give it to me, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. The generous heart flows out of sacrifice. If you give because you have plenty and you have plenty left over, then you really aren't generous. You're a giver. But a generous heart always pays the price to give above and beyond what they really have. Giving should cost you something. If it costs you nothing else than affection for what you're giving away, that's still a price tag, right? So giving should cost. It's a beautiful story, and so David built the altar, and then he, um, uh, the plague was stayed, and then he and the Lord was restored. And he built it at a place of trust, a place on Mount Moriah, where he realized that only trusting God was the only way to do it. Amen? How many of you know that's the only way to do it? You can't count enough people to keep you safe. You can't have enough friends. You can't have enough money. How many of you know the people that were trusting in their money on the night that the presidential election results were announced? They were trusting their money in the stock market. How many of you know those people didn't sleep all night? It tanked over 800 points. Uh, But the next morning it came back up. But if your trust is in what you can do, then it will never be enough. And you can never control the situations in life. But if your trust isn't the Lord, it's always going to work. And if you're sowing generously into the kingdom of God, it's always going to work. Well, I have eight minutes to do this last section of scripture with you. And it's the parable of the sower. It's in the New Testament. And Jesus is teaching. He taught about one-third of his teachings in parables. And it was a natural story with a spiritual significance. And so he's teaching, and this is the story that he tells them, um, that the sower goes out and sows the word. And as you're looking it up, I'm going to get to it myself. The parable of the sower in Mark. And verses 3 through 9 is the story about how the sower goes out and sows the word. And it says that um, he, listen to sower, verse um, 3 says, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and it happened that he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. And some fell on stony ground, and there it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of root. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And so the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out. That's anxiety and worry. And yielded no crop. But the other fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
And so um, this was a parable that Jesus told, and even his disciples didn't understand it. They began to question among themselves, and of course the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't understand it either. And, uh, but he said, you know, when you sow the seed, it's not all going to come up. It's kind of like my mom when she told me to put three seeds in the hole that I made with my little foot because she knew that all of it wouldn't come up. And so when you sow seed, you sow generously and you sow plenty so that no matter what comes up, there will be a 30, 60, or 100-fold return on the seed that you sow. You never sow stingily, or, but you sow generously the seed of the Word of God. So the key to this is in verse 13. If you're following along, verse 13 says this, And then he said to them, Do you not know or understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, if you don't understand this parable, one-third of the teachings that I give to you, you will not understand. If you don't understand sowing and reaping in your life, then you won't understand the character and the will and the way of God in your life. Sowing and teaching is universal. It's, sowing and reaping is universal. It's paramount to your life and it's paramount to your operation in the kingdom of God. If you need love in your life, then sow love. If you need peace in your life, pray for someone that's worried or upset. So, and it will produce after its own kind. So he says this, if you, know, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any of the parables. And then verse 14 he says, the sower sows the word. So I want you all to get this this morning if you don't get anything else. Whatever you sow, you sow it in faith according to the promises of the word of God. Amen? What you're really sowing is God's promise, his covenant with this earth and with you. So when you put your money in the offering, you're sowing money to reproduce money in your life or blessing in your life. But you're not sowing that. You're sowing the word of God that says, in blessing, I will bless you. And you're sowing it according to the word of God. So the word of God is always what you sow. Remember when I gave you the quote in, um, back in the beginning, if I can find that. Of seed time and harvest, sow the seed of his promise in the soil of your need. If you're anxious, what does the word say? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you sow the word of God and you reap the harvest of peace in your life. Does that make sense? The whole kingdom of God works on this principle. And it works on you using this principle generously and faithfully. And it works on you knowing the word of God. You know, one of the little sayings that I love to say is, how can you know what the will of God is if you don't know what the word of God says? Hide God's word in your heart. And then use it as the fertilizer of any seed that you sow in the ground that you want to come up. Relationships, so good relationships. Uh, love, so good love. Friendship, so good friendship. Money, so money. Uh, you know, financial need, you'll never get out of debt until you learn to give to the kingdom of God. Now, I, and I'm not asking you to give money. I'm asking you to use the word of God and believe 
in the principle of sowing and reaping in the covenant that God has with us. It's a miracle. It's what I call God's funny money. So many times in my life, I haven't had the money that I needed to do something, and then it was just there. It was funny money. As Tom shared his story about uh, the insurance company, it doesn't matter what the insurance company does for everybody else. For a tither, for a giver, for a generous person like Tom and Mandy, who give her their time and their energy and their money, uh, I mean, they're cut above. The response to them is supernatural, right? And if you want to live that way, I don't want to live like the rest of the world has to live, kicking and gouging and trying to make ends meet. I want to live a supernatural life um, based on sowing and reaping good things in the kingdom of God. Amen? You with me? Good. Let's do this. Okay, so uh, down in verse 14 it says, And the sower sows the word. So it's really, really important that no matter what you sow in your life, any of those qualities that we talked about, any of those seeds that we talked about, um, that you sow it according to the promises of the word of God. Amen? Well, let me close up. Are you a generous sower of the word in every season? When you have, uh, that's great if you are. But if you have a problem and you're anxious, do you sow? Do you sow the word of God concerning being anxious? If you need money, do you sow the word of God concerning prosperity? Do you sow the word of God in every area of your life? If you need peace, do you sow the word of God that says the peace of God that passes all understanding shall be yours? You know, sometimes when I get anxious and I'm worried, I say, you know what? I serve the Prince of Peace. He's not only peace, but he's the Prince of Peace. He's the ultimate authority of peace in my life. The scripture also says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And so I sow those words as I deal with things in my life. I sow those words of faith and love and hope in the word of God. Seed sowers, that's what I'm asking you to be today. Are you a generous sower of the word of God in every season? Now, in the wintertime, there are crops that can only grow in the winter. They're different. They're not what I call the pretty crops. The pretty crops grow in the summer, and they're um, blueberries and red strawberries and yellow summer squash. And, I mean, it's fun, and it's easy to grow in the summer months. But in the winter months, you know, it's beans. (laughs) It's things that are dark and root vegetables that grow in the ground. And uh, it's a hard time. It's hard sometimes to be excited about that. There will be things that you need to grow in your life that aren't as pretty as blueberries and strawberries and summer squash. But the process still works the same. And everything is important. Every ingredient in the kingdom of God is important in your life. Amen? Amen. I'd like to ask the altar ministry team to come up. If you need ministry today, they're prayed up and ready to minister to you today. If you need to, um, you know, build that altar to the Lord, if you need to do like David did and say, you know, Lord, I haven't been trusting you, and I'm going to build this altar, and it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost me time in the Word. It's going to cost me faith. It's going to cost me some things maybe that I have to lay down to be with you during the time that I need to be with you, but I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to build that altar of faith and trust in you. Then I encourage you to come get prayer and the prayer of agreement this morning. 
Now, I, I kind of feel like some of you are sitting out there thinking, well, I know all this. Uh, are you blessed in every, every area of your life in the way that you want to be blessed? Then you don't know all this. <laughs> don't deceive yourself. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer also. Uh, take this to heart and do it and begin to own purpose. Take that seed and plant it in faith with the word of God and watch God do miracles in your life. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Cynthia to close us out. And I thank you for letting me share this morning, and I hope you've been challenged. And I just encourage you to believe God, to believe God, and to operate not as the world operates, but as the kingdom of God does.